Hey, Tim. Hey, David. How's it going? It's going great. I can't wait to see what I'm going to say this episode. Yeah, I'm excited. I've not chewed this topic at all because it came up in one of the ARI webinars talking about the pandemic. They were actually talking about legal issues, and it was kind of a throwaway comment within one of the persons um, with, from one of the people speaking, and I really picked up on it, and I, I want to kind of un, yeah, unravel it a bit. But, you know, I mentioned in the last podcast, I, I started to bring up Sweden, and then I stopped because right now what's happening is people are saying, well, Sweden's still running, you know, pretty normally, but their rates are actually going up faster than Canada, faster than the U.S. So, of like, no, you don't want to see Sweden. Like, what are you talking about, you idiots? But people are completely not understanding the actual context of what's going on here. Because, every, like, let's say most people are going to get coronavirus, right? The whole flatten the curve thing is just to slow how fast everyone, make it slower how, make the spread slower so it doesn't overwhelm our healthcare capacity. If Sweden has higher healthcare capacity, then they can let more people get it more quickly. So the numbers go up quicker, but it doesn't matter, right? Everyone's going to get it, let's say. So people are conflating these issues. And I think this directly relates to the point that was brought up in the ARI webinar that According to objectivism, the government has a right to quarantine if needed to protect individual rights. But that's not what these governments are doing at all, because I'm not in danger from the average person. So we should really decouple what they're doing from protecting individual rights. What they're actually doing is they're saying there's an issue with healthcare capacity, so we need to force everyone to stay home. This is not an issue of you threatening me, you walking outside throwing knives, because odds are you're not sick right now but they're saying there's an issue with capacity. So that is the first thing we need to separate is that this is not, in my opinion right now, an issue of individual rights that they're protecting. Like they're just, there's no argument to claim that even though some people are, that in in a pandemic, they have the theoretical right to do that. That's not the reason right now. And in addition, I think it's exacerbated by the fact that they run this service. So they're super incentivized to lock people down because otherwise people will see the failing in the service they provide. They need to protect the healthcare industry because it's their industry. So they want to force everyone home because it's their their, uh, infrastructure that will fail. And so again, it's not protecting my rights because I think I'm safe. I don't think anyone's threatening my life. And I don't think most people are threatening anyone else's, but they're saying, oh, no, but if everyone goes about, some people will get sick and more people than we have the capacity to handle. So it's completely separated from this issue of actual individual rights. And it's just them trying to deal with their incompetent healthcare infrastructure. Yeah. So there's there's two separate in um, two separate topics here essentially or two separate things uh, at play here that need to be decoupled you're right one is okay on the one hand we can talk about when does government or when does anyone have a right to use force to quarantine someone that's one topic yeah the other topic is uh, the public policy right now which can be further divided into two goals right and I'm hearing two goals which are different 
from our governmental authorities. One, the one that I commonly hear is we need to flatten the curve to not overwhelm healthcare resources, like you said. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but now I'm hearing increasingly from people like Trudeau that uh, we may need to impose these measures until a vaccine is developed, which means that um, it, it's not just about it, that he's not even accepting that, that his goal then would be to completely suppress the virus, not just to not overwhelm the healthcare system, if that makes sense. Right. So is, is your goal to suppress this virus, to eradicate it, to get it out of here? Uh, or is it to prevent the healthcare system from being overwhelmed? Those are two different goals and, um, and, and they're being commingled. And it seems like we're being shifted from let's just flatten the curb right now. Let's impose a temporary lockdown to flatten the curve. So our healthcare system doesn't get overwhelmed uh, to now we need to suppress this virus to prevent any deaths or something like that. Right. right? And, and neither of those are actually proper and neither of those are actually protecting individual rights and so because right. it's related to a pandemic and related to a virus people are saying well this is in the realm of what government can do this is in the realm of what's acceptable if you're sick and we know you're sick i have a right to defend myself so the government has a right to prevent you from spreading your disease but that's not what we're talking about we're talking about locking down everyone right so it's it has nothing yeah. to do with individual rights but it's it's rights tangential so they're kind of, they're, and that's why they're so vague and they're consistently shifting their messaging because they want to say, well, no, this is the right thing for us to do. This is acceptable for us to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so let's just talk about the first issue, which is, okay, um, if, if we're talking about not overwhelming healthcare resources, um, you know, Sweden is an interesting example because their healthcare system isn't being overwhelmed at all, right? It's, it's like, I think 78% of their ICU beds are open. Like they they're have more, you know, their economy is relatively open and yet their system isn't being overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Now that the opponent of what Sweden's doing will say, well, their per capita death rate or their per million death rate or something is, is higher than anywhere else. And of course you would expect that, right? Right. Um, like if, if a million people in your country are going, to get the virus eventually um, the goal of flattening the curve is to spread out that million people getting it over a longer period of time it's to prolong the pandemic or what sweden's doing is saying we want that million people we're, we're okay with that million people getting it right now in the short term because our healthcare system can handle it and it seems like they're proving that so right. we would expect their per capita death rate to be higher in a country that did that initially and then lower seven or eight months from now when they have herd immunity and they have far fewer people dying than we do here in North America where we've tried to flatten the curve. So right. it, it does. So, so you, they can't use that argument that, that the death rate's higher now and therefore Sweden's doing something wrong. No, that's exactly what they want to happen. Essentially, they want their deaths up front so that they, you know, at the end of the day, they'll have the same amount of die as they otherwise would have, but they'll be dying up front rather than later and they won't take a huge hit to their economy and so there won't be all the negative unintended consequences so, so yeah this, I, I subscribe to that I, I yeah this issue i mean i i've said how this kind of big issue has broadly shown me how important philosophy is generally and particularly like the right moral view and political view but this example really teaches me how how much how important epistemology is how important like 
the way to think is because people are just not able to think about this clearly at all, right? Because they, they get a right. bunch of mixed messages and they can't sort out, okay, no, what are we actually trying to accomplish? Where, like, what is the purpose of any of these measures? And it's not helped by the fact that the government doesn't provide any clarity either. The government, the government's not providing their reasoning for this stuff. But this idea that, yeah, because we are telling, we're trying to minimize deaths, right? So now they're, they're mixed up. Well, we're trying to minimize deaths by not having people die unnecessarily because of the hospital being overwhelmed. But now they're conflating that with, oh, no, somehow we're going to magically have some people not die of coronavirus, right? But right. again, that's not the actual case. And many people who recover, yeah. they recover naturally as well, right? Like their body fights it. There's not much. I forget what doctor I was listening to talk, but they said there's not much they're actually doing. Most people who recover, like, yeah. And I mean, many people who get on ventilators, it doesn't help them. They end up passing anyways. Yeah. I, is my understanding. And so again, it's this inability to actually parse things right. out and, and understand well, the different yeah. issues at play. It's going from, we, we, we don't want people dying because the healthcare system is overwhelmed. Uh, that, that's the, that was the goal of not overwhelming the healthcare system is that if we overwhelm the healthcare system, supposedly more people are going to die because they couldn't get the care they needed. Right. Um, while Sweden's proving that they're not having their healthcare system overrun. So we're not seeing any more deaths there because their healthcare system was overrun. Everyone that needs medical care is getting the medical care they need in mm -hmm. Sweden right now, which uh, we can't really necessarily say about North America. Right. You know, I, I'm, I've, I've seen two patients uh, within the past week, two old ladies, one had, um, atrial fibrillation at an uncontrolled rate and another one had uh, unexplained fainting and both of them ideally should go to the hospital and get further tests I mean the pathology underlying their their symptoms could be something that causes sudden death right, right. and yeah they're too afraid to go to the hospital our system is discouraging transports right now because um, right. They're, they're trying to ration things for this expected surge um, you know like my wife is having short, unexplained shortness of breath right now, but they're rationing tests that she needs to get a diagnosis to get treatment. So right. my point is here that there are going to be a lot of people die. So if, if these two old ladies uh, die at home because they were too afraid to go to the hospital and refuse to go, uh, or, you know, we don't like ambulance calls are at an all time low. I suspect because people who are having, symptoms that they would normally call the ambulance for aren't calling the ambulance mm -hmm. they're too afraid to go to the hospital well those little symptoms like a little discomfort in your chest could be a sign that you're having a massive myocardial infarction right and so what we're seeing in places like new york right now is a huge spike in cardiac arrest and deaths at home now some people are saying well that's because of the virus and these are all viral deaths and no. right and they're adding to the death count well i think a, a better explanation based on what i'm seeing in the field is that people are too afraid to get medical care. And so all these, these uh, symptoms that would normally be uh, investigated and treated and these deaths would be prevented, those deaths aren't being prevented now because, because the medical system is being reserved for this, uh, this surge that's supposedly coming of all these COVID patients. So, so and I suspect in Sweden, we're not having that same issue. It, it seems like people are living a normal life, they're using they're going to the store. Like I don't see them wearing masks. They're they're out and about. I suspect that um, that they're not seeing a surge in these kind of deaths 
whereas I, I suspect in North America we we are right. So yeah, and th that yeah, go ahead. I know I was going to switch topics just slightly or kind of like shift a bit because what comes to mind for me is an essay by Ayn Rand called The Metaphysical Versus the Man-Made and how one of the most fundamentally important things is to understand the difference in your thinking. And so, you know, when the U.S. came out and said, when the White House said, you know, we expect 20, 220,000 deaths from the coronavirus and people are like freaking out, we need to lock down more because like, it's like, no, this is a metaphysical thing. This virus exists now. Lots of people are going to get it basically no matter what we do because we can't get a vaccine in time, right? And I mean, even a vaccine isn't foolproof. Some people might still get it. But to just conflate the two automatically, yes, we can fight disease. Like humans have that ability. But to just say, oh, we have complete control over this number like the more we lock down, the lower that shrinks. That's just not true, especially in the given situation and needs to be weighed with many other factors. But again, it shows the way that people aren't thinking clearly about the issue. Right. right. And, and this comes to the, the other point of when you have a right to quarantine someone. Right. And and so right now people are being quarantined and, you know, this virus is perfect cover for, for locking people down because, um, you can be an asymptomatic carrier. So right. we don't know if you're sick, right? So if we can say, obviously, if someone is sick and they have uh, a serious illness that can spread and kill other people, they, we, have a right, they have, we have a right to use force to quarantine that person and prevent them from infecting people. But the problem here is that we can all be asymptomatic and be, and, and so now they're using that as an excuse to lock everyone down. And I addressed this actually in, in the long after, article i sent you david that you said you don't have time to read for two weeks you got you've no, been within living your two fancy weeks. life within, two, oh, weeks. within two weeks okay you got all this time for ari and for all your fancy <laughs> friends but you've not got no time for your mother anymore uh anyways um <laughs> so so but in the article i point out look that we are being asked to look at this kind of like a trolley prog problem right whereas if we let this train continue down the track a million people will die. Whereas if we pull this lever, we'll only kill a hundred thousand. And so we're saying we have to make the hard choice now and pull the lever and only kill a hundred thousand rather than that million. But what people fail to recognize is how this virus spreads, right? Those mm -hmm. million people can simply step off the track, right? You can avoid getting the right. pathogen by staying on your couch indoors, right? And so we're pulling this lever to definitely damage the lives of millions of people like unemployment and, and all the unintended consequences of, of not seeking medical attention. There's, there's, it, it, we may be pulling the lever to kill even more people. Uh, right. Then, and meanwhile, all these people that might die are people that could step off the track. And I made the point that, look, if I leave my house and I get sick because I leave my house, I, the only person I have to blame is myself. I'm the one that's ultimately responsible for that. So I have to make a risk calculation here when I leave the house about you know and, and even going to work in the epicenter of this thing my risk calculation is uh the risk of unemployment is more hazardous to my flourishing than the risk of getting this virus that where i'm going to the epicenter of the viral loads right yeah As we talked about in the previous podcast so so we need to leave it up to the individual and this is where you're right epistemology is so important and people need to manage their risk and you know another libertarian pointed out who was in favor of these lockdowns said, well, we would never, uh, we would never as libertarians say it's okay to just fire off 
gun in the air in, in public um, because one of those bullets might land and kill someone, right? So we would be justified using force. And so his point was that when we leave the house and we might be have a virus, we are shooting guns, essentially shooting bullets up in the air that could land and hit someone. And so he's trying to make the point. So that made me think a little bit, but here's the reality. We live in a world now where no one can leave their house without firing bullets up into the air. Okay, let's say that's the world we live in right now. Well, yeah. we're all accepting the risk and putting each other at risk with the same risk we're, we're inflicting on others. Right. So, so to, to me, those negate each other. And there are things we can do right. to protect ourselves from those bullets, like put on a heavy flak helmet or something like that and, and bulletproof vest, right? And so wear a mask and wear gloves and protect yourself. But if you right. know that that's the only way you can get around in this world is by shooting bullets up in the air, and that's all the only way anyone can get around, we still have the right to go outside and live a free life. Uh, it's just that we're now having to take precautions, right? Right. So that, that's an interesting analogy. You, you mentioned it another time. And, and so I don't agree that that is the case right now because, again, most people are, don't have it, right? And, but I think even if everyone did have it or had like the risk was that severe, that is what I would call the new normal then. Like the new normal is right. there's this disease that we have to deal with the same like for hundreds or thousands of years, there were all sorts of diseases yeah. that people just took into account. Oh, there's measles, there's mumps, there's rubella, there's polio, there's whatever disease, many diseases we've had. And anytime I go out, there's a risk of contraction. Right. Like I might get these diseases. Yes. Um, and it's just recently that we've become so uh, coddled or whatever that like, oh, there, I should have no risk at all, even though there's risk for many other non-disease uh, deaths. Right. But I think. Yeah. So I think if. Yeah, I think you're right that if that is the case, which I don't even necessarily agree. But if it is the case, then still I should be able to take that risk and the government can't force yeah. me to not take the risk. Right. Um, and so shifting the, the last point that like, you know, when you first brought, when we first kind of brought up the topic, we said, okay, there's the issue of rights. And I think um, then, but there's also the issue of the, like the bad healthcare system. Right. And it's not only yeah. that we like, it's why, and we're not going to have time to get into all of the reasons why the healthcare system can't meet the capacity, why it can't ramp up and all of these other issues. But there's the issue of we have to factor that into the government's thinking. We have to admit that they're the ones who screwed this up. They're the ones who can't handle this. And then they're basically taking it out on us because they're saying, according to their judgment, their system can't actually work well. So you guys have to. Uh, and so they're they're taking the power of government to force people, but they're using that as proprietors of a healthcare system. Right. And so these are two different functions of government, but they're using the like they're combining them in their use of power. Yeah. Right. If yeah. if healthcare was completely privatized, it would be much clearer that they couldn't lobby the government to lock us all down because they might not have the right capacity. And again, the, it would be yeah, much harder for the government to make the claim that they're somehow protecting us. By doing that where no I know the risk and I can take it if I want but because it's all intermixed in the way the government works and runs healthcare, people can't sort it out and they think oh no this just makes sense 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and you see this kind of thinking in, in normal people, right? Like conservatives constantly use, we need to, we need to prohibit hard drugs because it'll overwhelm the healthcare system if we don't, right? Liberals use like Bloomberg say we need to ban big gulps. No one needs to eat that much sugar and it's overwhelming the healthcare system. So you, you can see how this line of thinking, and, and this leads me to another thing I, I kind of wanted to address that I've been thinking about lately is this idea of public health, right? And the, the idea of treating us like livestock, like a herd of livestock. We talk about herd immunity, for example, and you know we'd apply that to a herd of livestock by we want to vaccinate as many of the livestock as possible so that we can avoid these uh, this disease sweeping through and taking out cattle. Well, of course, we're not cattle. And, and while herd immunity is a thing, and, and the argument people will use for forced vaccinations is people who are healthy need to be vaccinated to protect people that are unhealthy that can't get the vaccine for various reasons because they're immunocompromised or whatever. And so we need to develop herd immunity for these these people and of course it misses the point that we are individuals with agency we mm. can choose to take on that risk of being exposed to the herd or not we can stay at home and so people shouldn't have to uh to um wear hazmat suits or bubbles uh to to uh make it safe for people who can't wear hazmat suits or bubbles out into the world right uh mm. we, we just can't live that way and we, people have to be free to have their own agency I have to be free to go drive on the road, even though it, I risk death every time I do it. And and if we look at things collectively, we see all the deaths that happen from highway traffic accidents, uh, and and we're okay with those deaths, right? We we don't say we have to lock down the highway, so we accept death. We accept people taking risk and taking personal responsibility. And I'm saying we should do that for everything. We should be be okay with people taking risks that might kill them. Um, even if this virus had a 100% fatality rate, I should still be free to leave my house and risk getting it because now I'm going to make a different risk calculation when I leave my house. If that's the case, I'm going to take a lot more precautions. I'm going to do a lot of things differently, but there, at some point I'm going to need to get food or for sure I'm going to die because sitting on my couch also has a 100% case fatality rate. In fact, while life in general has a 100% case fatality rate right. and you know, the, the goal here is, um, you know, we need, we can't take away the things that make our short time here on earth worth living. Um, and, and we can't take away our ability to survive and flourish. Uh, you know, and government doesn't know what's best for my life at, in this moment. Right. And I think, I think that's like the fundamental issue at the root of basically all of the problems we're trying to fix is that people don't understand what the purpose of life is. Right. People, many right. people don't have any purpose and we're not going to get into that now. But I think like that is one of, if not the fundamental issue is what is the purpose of life? What does it mean to live a good life? And many people seem to think, well, no, it just means not dying. Right. Living a life just means not dying. And if you cannot die longer, then that's good. And I mean, many right. people in their own lives don't make those decisions. Right. Elderly people who would rather live and not suffer in chemo for three years or whatever else. Um, but people, most people don't think of that. So I hope this has been helpful for me to kind of chew on it. And I hope people listening, this has kind of helped. Yeah. Separate out the many different parts, because when it comes to government, we just say, Oh, it's government. And it's like this big blob of garbage. And we think whatever they do, it's all just part of government. 
but we have to separate, even with government doing things they're not supposed to be doing, we have to properly separate all of the things they're doing. What is their role in protecting individual rights? What is their improper role of running the healthcare system? How do those interrelate if they, if at all? And so it's important to really think, parse that out and, and think about those as separate units. Um, do you have any right. last, last uh, thoughts on it to help people? No, well, I, I, would just add, I would just add to that. Yeah, I mean, government's proper role is to protect my right to live my life uh, and take risks for myself. In other words, if, if I decide I want to hang glide off a cliff uh, and someone tries to stop me with a gun, uh, government's job is to prevent that person from uh, stopping me, right? It's not to, not to put itself in that criminal's shoes and say, thou shalt not hang glide because it's not safe. Right. And we, could, we, sh we need to remember what the proper rule of government is here. It's to protect my right to live a free life and, and not be have force initiated on me and instead what government's doing is initiating force writ large um, for all sorts of uh, abstract uh, magical uh, thinking reasons yeah hopefully this ends sooner than we think it'll end but uh i guess we'll see and we'll touch base again soon roger that thanks tim thank you david